I'm excited to share what, what the Lord has laid on my heart this morning from His Word. Um, we did have a small video planned uh, for today, but we had some technical difficulties. So let me just ask you, okay, raise your hand if you watched old school VeggieTales. I'm talking like 20 years ago. All right, that's what I was hoping for, a lot of hands. Yeah, good stuff, right? Man, one of my favorite songs besides um, the, the hairbrush one. That was pretty good. My favorite song, though, um, is the one about being busy, if you remember. It's where the people, there's the people in one village, and they have, like, pots on their head, and there's another village, and they have, like, uh, a shoe on their head, and it's supposed to be Jews versus Samaria. Anyway, Larry is stuck in a hole, and I don't remember why, but then the British asparagus guy, uh, Archibald, I think, is his name? Thank you. Thank you. You've steadied. Um, <laughs> so he saw Mary, and he starts singing this song. Sing along with me if you know it. Busy, busy, dreadfully busy. You've no idea what I have to do. Busy, busy, terribly busy. Much, much too busy for you. <laughs> As you know, the song goes on, if you really know, maybe like Roland knows over here, that the song goes on for a few verses, actually. Um, and the thing that I find interesting about it is that it perfectly represents what I find myself and others sometimes saying to others in conversation. I'm busy. And honestly, I'm not so sure if it was more true of the culture then than it is of the culture today, but someone needs to address the pressure we're all under right now, maybe even specifically in the Northwest, because being dreadfully busy has ironically become a pride issue both in the world and in the church. And perhaps it's a reaction to those who are lazy and are refusing to work, but of those of us who are work hard, working hard at something, uh, we almost feel this like um, compulsive need to defend our productivity to everybody. I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot of stuff. I'm doing a lot of stuff. You just, I want to let you know I'm, I'm worth something. I'm doing a lot of stuff. And it's like not even to our boss, it's just to everybody. Um, and many even wear their business like a badge of honor. And I'm not sure when it happened, but really, like, Busyness be began to, like, a full schedule began to measure the worth of a human being for us. Once there was a lady named Sheila, and I'm going to use Sheila because I don't think anybody in here is named Sheila, but if, you have, if your name is Sheila, um, I'm not talking to you, <laughs> or, or am I? But anyway, Sheila can be found in a variety of conversations saying something along these lines. Yes, I'm a stay-at-home mom, but I take Jimmy to swim lessons on Monday and Wednesday, and Ashley's learning to be a concert pianist on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and Bobby is learning to be an astronaut, not to mention the morning and evening runs and workout routines. No, tomorrow we're going to Multnomah Falls on a nature hike with the kids in between chess lessons, and we plan to teach the kids about the scientific qualities of water on our hike. Oh, and we're redoing the kitchen, and we're installing a fence. We're just so busy right now. Hopefully, we'll catch a breather soon. But the truth is, Sheila just isn't that busy for a season. She isn't just that busy right now. She's always that busy. But why does she do it? Why does she fill her schedule up with all sorts of things until she has no time left? I think she does it for the same reason that you and I sometimes do it, because we subconsciously equate the worth of ourselves and others with the things that we have accomplished. Not all of us do experience seasons of busyness, but in reality, a constantly overloaded schedule is revealing of three things, and none of them are good. Misplaced priorities, poor time management, and maybe even insecurity. 
However, the tough thing is that many of us, like Sheila, aren't filling our schedules up with bad things or inconsequential things, right? Allowing our kids to pursue sports and music is a good thing. Taking care of the house God gave us, being good stewards is biblical. Being productive at work is a good thing. Taking care of your health is a good thing. But what if all the good things we do are getting in the way of something better? What if there's a better way to live our lives than wearing ourselves out with constant busyness? What if everything were a whole lot simpler? To answer those questions, let's go ahead and dig into our passage for today, starting in Luke 10, verse 38. That's Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Luke writes, while they were traveling, he entered a village. Now, the they here, let me stop and say that the they here is Jesus and his disciples, and the village we know from John 11.1 1 is actually the village of Bethany. So just place you in the context there. Moving on. They were traveling, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, and she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell him to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. Today we're going to learn how to be like Mary in a world full of Marthas. From this iconic story in the Bible, we'll uncover three ways that we can be like Mary. First, you must sit before you serve. Second, you must listen when you plan. And third, you must prioritize what lasts. Now, before we get into the substance of what is actually going on here, we do need to clear up the whole Mary issue, because I don't know about you, but I just get really, really confused sometimes, because there's so many Marys, and I'm like, which one did this? And I, I get the wrong one and the wrong story, and I get it all confused, and there's actually six different Marys in the New Testament. So, you've got Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, Mary, the mother of John Mark, Mary of the Church of Rome, and Mary of Bethany. Mary of Bethany is the Mary in our passage from Luke. So for the sake of clarity today, we are talking about the Mary whose sister was Martha, whose brother was Lazarus, the man that Jesus healed and uh, resurrected, I should say. And this was also the same Mary who anointed Jesus's head with expensive oil in preparation for his burial. This is not the same Mary that Jesus cast seven demons out of her and then she became a follower. So we're talking about Mary of Bethany here. So with that in mind, it is clear that Mary of Bethany is someone that we should seek to imitate in our story today. After all, in verse 30, 42, Jesus said that Mary made the right choice. Mary didn't choose to stay busy with a bunch of good things. She chose what was better. But the rest of the text tells us more about how she made the right choice. In verse 38, we can most likely infer that Martha was the older sister and the leader among the two, and, that she, and she is uh, described as the one who welcomed Jesus into her home. But interestingly, Luke shifts away from the main character in verse 39 to shed the spotlight on Mary. Verse 39 reads, She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet. So the first thing we can learn from the verse, and this passage really, is that if you want to be like Mary in a world full of Marthas, you'll need to sit before you serve. Now, while Mary may very well have been literally sitting at the feet of Jesus, and my tendency is to feel like maybe, maybe she was, 
Luke chose these words for a very specific reason, because in Jewish culture of that day, this was a common way of explaining that someone was a disciple of a particular rabbi. To sit at the feet of a teacher was uh, to be a disciple of that particular teacher. So the first thing that we see Mary do is to take on a posture of discipleship, giving Jesus her undivided attention as Lord. Many realized that whatever she had, Mary realized that whatever she had to offer would not compare to what he had to offer. Before she did anything else, Mary sat at the feet of her rabbi Jesus. By contrast, Martha served before she sat. Immediately, she was consumed by the task at hand. Only after the meal had been, pre- been prepared, the table had been set, the provisions had been made, whatever else, at least in Martha's mind, that had to be done first before she could sit at the feet of Jesus. And to be fair, Martha was doing a good thing. She probably had great intentions, but she got it backwards. It's sit before you serve, not serve before you sit. Today, we may not be inviting Jesus into our home like Mary and Martha, but what we have is actually much deeper than that. If you're a believer, then that means that the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your heart. Every choice you make and everything you do is an opportunity to serve Him. That's nice theme, theme music here. Okay, sorry. Oh, no worries. It's my dad, so it's all good. <laughs> wow. Mm. <laughs> anyway, as I was saying, any way that you serve, any particular way that you serve, if you, if you sit at the feet of Jesus before you do that, it shapes the rest of all that you do. So here's my question this morning. What does your daily life really look like? Are you sitting at the feet of your Lord and Savior first thing? Or do you have a few other things to take care of first? Sitting at the feet of Jesus has two major implications. One is that you're spending time with him. That's kind of the more obvious of the two. And two is that you're remembering that he's Lord of your life. Those two things should happen in a healthy, quiet time. But before I go down that road any further, I want to acknowledge that there are seasons of life and there are jobs that make this a whole lot difficult for some. (laughs) My kids, my wife and I have uh, three kids. One of them's four and a half months old, one of them's two years old, and one of them's five years old. So if you're feeling challenged on the point of having a healthy, good, quiet time, I feel you. I'm pretty much always out of breath, and so is she, so. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Uh, Call me from the phone, from the pulpit. All right. Interesting. Oh, it's okay. All right. Well, here we go. Hello? Hey, Dad, I'm preaching. Can you guys hear that? Uh, talk a little louder. We just found out the reason the interstate was shut down, and uh, I think we should stop and pray. Uh, we, we actually already prayed about that, but we can, we can pray again. <laughs> yeah, but you don't know what it is. Oh, okay. There is a woman who is on the edge of the bridge, potentially to commit suicide. And, and we, we, I just want you guys to stop and pray for her. It was very clear the police were not getting too close to her. 
and she was on the edge of the bridge with bare feet, and that's what this was all about, and we need to pray that she won't go through with it. You got it. Okay, you got it? I'll let you go and let you pray. All right. Thanks, Abby. Well, what I think that is, is that is a, is it still working? I think that's a sign from God that we need to pray again about it. Um, maybe, you know, we got, we got to knock some more. We got to knock on this door a little more. So let's pray. Lord, I know we already came to you about this, but I really do pray about the lady on the bridge. Um, part of this sermon today is about stopping what we're doing to focus on people around us, to give them the time of day. So Lord, that's where the ministry is really at. Would you just please intervene in the situation? Intervene. Show her. Show her that that's not what she wants to do. She doesn't want to take her own life. Lord, that you love her. That there's a reason to live. Speak into her life. Speak into her heart. Help us focus on your word. Amen. So as I was saying... Uh, I can relate to those of you who have a hard time with having a healthy, quiet time in the morning. And another thing that might be really difficult is difficult work hours, right? If you work nights or um, the start of your day isn't in the morning. But either way, your day starts somewhere, and there is a point at which you get up out of bed. And for, okay, for mothers of newborns, maybe I should just say there's a point when the sun rises and maybe the baby stops crying, hopefully. But anyway, at any rate, I, I am deeply aware of the fact that there are times when it is basically impossible to start your day off in careful study of the Bible and in-depth prayer. Maybe you didn't, hear a, you didn't think you'd hear a pastor saying that, but I'm saying it. <laughs> but I want to encourage you not to give up on that. Sometimes it's as simple as making some modifications to your regular routine. One thing you can almost always do is pray before you get out of bed. It may not be long or ornate, but it's, it's something, and it's a way for you to sit at the feet of Jesus before you serve. It could be as simple as praying a short prayer of surrender to Jesus before your feet even heat, hit the ground, letting him know that the day is his and your desires to do his will. If you have babies and kids, another idea might be to turn on the auditory Bible from your phone or the computer and play that for them, and then you get the bonus also of knowing that they're listening along. Um, my wife actually does that on a regular basis, and it really blesses our family a lot. <laughs> but I know from experience that even these ideas uh, can sometimes be difficult to put into practice. You may not be in a season of life when your quiet time is exactly very quiet. You may not be waking up with breakfast in bed, searching through the scriptures in between sips of coffee after a long hour of prayer and worship You know, at 9 in the morning. That might not be you. <laughs> But no matter who you are, there's always a way that you can apply this. There was a time in my life when I had uh, three jobs, and I was also trying to get a degree at the same time, and we also had my son, Leland, had just been born not too long ago, talk about a full plate. And it was pretty hard. It was, it was definitely hard. I worked uh, the morning shift in one of my jobs, um, and I had to wake up at 5 just to get there on time. And... Uh, but the thing is, I, I, I knew that I had to make my quiet time a priority, so I woke up at 4.30 and had a half, half an hour quiet time. And 
you know, was it hard? Absolutely. Was it, but was it worth it? Yes, it was definitely worth it because the thing is, I knew I couldn't serve God in the way that he wanted me to serve him if I didn't fill myself up with what he had to say first. If it was just me without going into this, without praying, without sitting at the feet of my rabbi and acknowledging him as Lord, um, I don't know how I would be serving, but those days that I, that I may have missed it, I, I could feel the difference, I'll tell you that. The point is, if you want to be like Mary in a world full of Marthas, then you'll need to find a way to sit before you serve. However, that's not the only thing we can learn from Mary and Martha, because our passage also shows us in verses 39 and 40 to listen when you plan. After Mary sat at the feet of a rabbi, Luke tells us she listened to what he said. Then in verse 40, Luke writes, But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, and she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me? So tell her to give me a hand. You've got to love Martha. She's like, Jesus, listen. Again, we see a sharp contrast between Mary and Martha here. Mary is listening to the Lord, and Martha is actually telling the Lord how he can serve her. I mean, the fact is that Mary, the first thing she did was sit down and listen. Meanwhile, Martha rushed to perform her duty as a hostess. Now, while this does read as something that was kind of spontaneous. I have no doubt in my mind that Martha had a plan for how she would serve Jesus. It was, for one thing, it was a part of her culture. I mean, it was second nature to serve somebody who came into your house with the best food, the best things. That was what you did then. And not to mention that this was the Son of God. I think she almost, in her mind, almost amped it up a little bit, like, whew, we got we to perform today. We have got to do it right. Mary, where are you? But as her sister, it is highly likely that Mary also would have known the plan. And she would have certainly been aware, at least, of the cultural expectation in terms of hospitality. However, these two sisters wound up making opposite choices. Martha chose to blaze ahead with her plan, regardless of the circumstances. And she knew how to serve Jesus, and that was the end of it. I mean, that was it. But Mary, she held on to the plan a lot more loosely. And she stopped to listen to Jesus. I actually wonder what Jesus was saying at this point. We don't know. What was he saying to Mary that she was listening to? And I wonder if, if Martha had been listening, maybe she, she wouldn't have complained. But the thing that is about Martha is she wasn't in the right headspace to listen because she already had her mind made up. On our mission trip to Nicaragua last summer, I remember learning the value of listening to God when I make plans. There you are, Travis. You were there. During our time there, we, we mostly poured our, our time and our effort and our energy into one small village. And we each, everybody on our team had a family that we were praying for before we went and that we were ministering to while we were there. I mean, we did some other things, but that was, that was the bulk of it, was that village and those people that we invested in. And it was nearing the end of the week, and many seeds had been planted in terms of the kingdom of God. And Many of us had been waiting for this particular day to share the gospel and lead believers to be baptized, intentional. Because at this point, we had built a lot of trust in the community. We built a lot um, that we could speak on. We built relationships. And I can't remember exactly how it happened, but it became apparent that morning that we couldn't go to the village. All of my plans were completely scrapped. And uh, instead of going there, we went to an entirely different location, not to build houses, but to to provide essentials for those in need. 
And honestly, I can remember being really frustrated about that. I even told some people around me. I vented my feelings to God. And I had, I had a lot of plans for what I was going to do that day, right? But it didn't happen. And I remember asking God, why would he keep me from serving him? Why would you keep me from serving him on today, today of all days? But when it came time to leave, we hopped on the bus, headed out. And I just kind of remember feeling jerked around. When we arrived at the village, our team, which was comprised of, comprised of um, people from our church and people from a few other churches, was split into smaller groups of about three or four. And, uh, and our group was Travis White and a very nice lady by the name of Roslyn from another church. And we also had a translator with us who actually wound up doing a phenomenal job that day. But long story short, our small team was blessed with the opportunity of not only sharing the gospel with lots of people, but we actually got to see two different individuals accept Christ that day in, con in conversation and in prayer. And that was amazing. By the time Travis, Roslyn, and I had finished our specific area of the village, I felt like I was floating. I mean, I had legs, but I, didn't, I wasn't really using them, at least in my mind. I was like, ooh, you know, I'm about to go up to heaven. I'm about to be raptured. But, uh, you know, I was even more blown away when we came back to the village. When we came back to, to meet, all the small groups came together to talk about what had happened that day. Um, because not only had they experienced other people come to Christ, but there was this one guy, and it's interesting that we prayed about this today, but there was this one guy who was going to kill himself. And he had prayed for a sign. And then our bus showed up. And then we talked to him, and then he didn't. And if that's not God, I don't know what is. Because we weren't even thinking about going there until the day of, and then God just changed the plan. And God taught me a lesson that day. And it's the same lesson he, he taught Martha, and it's the same lesson he's teaching all of us. Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. There's nothing wrong with the fact that Martha had a plan to serve Jesus. There's nothing wrong with the fact that I had a plan to serve Jesus. But where we erred was in refusing to listen when God directed our steps elsewhere. We became more attached to the plan to serve God than to God himself. For Martha, the physical person of Jesus was literally in her house. She actually needed to listen to him with her ears. For us today, prayer is probably the best way that we can listen to Jesus because prayer is simply communication with God. But this isn't just about praying before you eat or, you know, just praying before you go to bed or just because you have to. This is about a lifestyle of prayer. Simply put, if you aren't praying, your ears are not open to God's voice. Prayer is the number one way we can listen to God. If we plan our way and then fail to listen to God, we end up like Martha. We'll become frustrated with God, telling him what he can do better for us, instead of realizing that he has already been directing our steps for the better. So, high schoolers, it's okay to plan your way ahead regarding the future and colleges and jobs and trade schools and all the stuff you got going on. But Jesus might want you to serve in another way. So listen when you plan. For those of you who are getting more advanced in years, <laughs> go ahead and plan what your retirement might look like. But don't hold on too tightly to that. Because Jesus might want you to serve him in another way. Listen when you plan. Parents of kids at home, go ahead and plan for that job opportunity and that move. 
but keep your hearts flexible because Jesus might ask you to serve him in another way. If you want to be like Mary in a world full of Marthas, listen when you plan. So far from this small story at the end of Luke chapter 10, we've learned to sit before we serve, to listen when we plan. The third thing we can learn from Mary and Martha is to prioritize what lasts. In the last two verses of the passage, we see Jesus' correction to Martha's skewed perspective. Starting in verse 41, Luke writes, The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. At the end of the day, Martha chose to pursue things to accomplish, while Mary chose to pursue a relationship. This makes me think of what the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3. If I speak human or angelic tongues but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith that can move mountains but do not love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions and I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Church, Mary of Bethany loved Jesus. Above all other things, she just wanted to be with him. She just wanted to be in his presence. Is that your heart's cry this morning? Or is it more like Martha? Are you distracted by your many tasks? Are you worried and upset about many things? But it goes even deeper than that because the Bible is clear that in order to love Jesus, we must love others. We can't pick one or the other. So consider even the example of Jesus himself. Everywhere he went and everything he did revolved around loving one or two individuals. Time and time again, Jesus stopped what he was doing to give someone the time of day. Give them their, his undivided attention. And often with people who are totally considered unlovable also. So that's why we don't see Jesus rebuking Mary for not helping her sister. But instead we find him affirming and supporting her. Because she chose what could not be taken away from her. She chose to pursue a loving relationship with a person instead of achieving things. Mary prioritized what lasts. Fathers... Take this to heart when it comes to your kids. A number of years ago, Casting Crowns came out with a song called The American Dream. The song has made a profound impact on my life. And for you dads out there, this one's especially for you, so try to listen in. I'm just going to share the first part of the song. There it is. All work, no play may have made Jack a dull boy, but all work, no God has left Jack with a lost soul. But he's moving on full steam. He's chasing the American dream. He's going to give his family finer things. Not this time, son. I have no time to waste. Maybe tomorrow we'll have time to play. And then he slips into his new BMW and drives farther and farther and farther away. Because he works all day and tries to sleep at night. He says things will get better, better in time. So he works and he builds with his own two hands and he pours all he has in a castle made with sand. But the wind and the rain are coming crashing in. And time will tell just how long his kingdom stands. God's lasting and eternal kingdom isn't about the plaques on your wall and the trophies on your shelf. It's about the people he uses you to change. It's about the people he uses you to love. So listen, I'm not saying God doesn't use us to accomplish things for him. 
I'm just saying he doesn't do that at the expense of those he's called us to love. We better make sure we have our priorities straight. If we want to be like Mary in a world full of Marthas, then we need to prioritize what lasts. And those two things are loving Jesus and loving others. How are you doing with that? Are you using what you're achieving to love God and love people, or are you using God and people to get what you're achieving? Let me say that one more time. Are you using what you're achieving to love God and love people, or are you using God and people to get what you're achieving? There's a very big difference in those two ideas. Looking back at our text today, we cannot and should not assume we know Mary's intentions. That's not given to us, and we shouldn't go farther than that at all. But what we do know is that Martha was distracted and worried and upset, and that in Jesus' eyes, she didn't choose the best thing. Meanwhile, Mary made the right choice. She prioritized what lasts. She listened to Jesus even though there was a plan in place, and she sat at the feet of Jesus before she did anything else. Now, as I close, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, then first of all, this service has probably been a little bit crazy. But second of all, it's probably been a little bit confusing. But all you really need to know is that in the entire passage today, Mary was only following the example of Jesus. Jesus wasn't focused on accomplishing things. His mission was to save people. People like you and people like me. He's waiting for you to notice him, to believe that he died on the cross, to believe that he's Lord and that he rose from the grave. The decision to believe isn't your parents, it isn't your friend's decision, it isn't anybody but your decision. So I want to give you an opportunity this morning to turn and believe in Jesus today if you feel him leading you. Let's pray. Lord, I, I do pray for those in this room that might not know you right now. Lord, that they would know that all they need to do is make it a simple decision right now in their hearts to believe you, Jesus, to believe that what you did on the cross has saved them from their sin, that you've forgiven them, that you've shown your love in this way, that you laid down your life, that your body was broken and your blood was shed for us. Lord, that you rose from the grave, proving that you are God, proving your identity. Lord, I ask that someone would place their faith in that today. Because it's you that works. It's you that works. Thank you, Lord, for what you're teaching us. And pray for the rest of us here today that we would be able to remember and apply some of the things that we've learned today about Mary and Martha. Lord, help us focus on people and a little less on staying busy. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for this day. Amen. Thanks for listening to Go Church's weekly sermon podcast. If you enjoyed the sermon, be sure to rate and review us. If you want to learn more about the ministry of Go Church or catch up on previous sermons, check out our website, www.gochurchpnw.com. You can also connect with Go Church on Facebook and Instagram.